0: Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth podcast. The... I tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it doesn't even matter. Addition, as the Bengals are eliminated from playoff contention after a hard-fought loss in Kansas City, 25-17. to Coming up, radio replays Locker room comments and post-game analysis from Dave Lapham. Then in this week's Fun Facts conversation, you'll get to know the multi-talented Dax Hill. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Catering Health. The best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since TurnedYellow.com. If you're a fan of The Simpsons, you might be interested to know that I have a small connection to the show. In the Dance and Homer episode, where Homer Simpson becomes the mascot for the local minor league baseball team, there's a play-by-play announcer named Dan Horde. My friend, Ken Levine, wrote the episode. I bring that up because one of my Christmas gifts this year was a family portrait of me, my wife, and my son looking like characters from The Simpsons, even sitting on their living room couch. It was created by sending a photo to TurnedYellow.com. That's one of several websites where you can Simpsonize a photo. It's not super cheap, but it is pretty cool. Or, as Bart Simpson might say, cowabunga. Now, let's get to the radio replays from Sunday's loss in Kansas City. The Bengals got the ball to begin the game and chewed up more than eight and a half minutes kicking a field goal to take a 3-0 lead. But the Chiefs answered with a 75-yard touchdown drive. Bengals have their dime defense on the field. Six defensive backs on third down and goal from the eight. Only two defenders in three-point stances for Cincinnati. As Mahomes waits for the shotgun snap back at the 13. He catches. He looks. Fires a pass Ah. into the end zone. Caught by a wide-open Pacheco for the Kansas City touchdown. That was the only touchdown the Chiefs scored all day. And on their second drive, the Bengals answered to retake the lead. This will be the 11th play of the drive. The Bengals' first drive lasted 15 plays. Browning throws. Nice. Caught by Mixon. Nice. Driving toward the end zone. Touchdown. Beautiful. Bengals kill Mixon doing push-ups in the end zone after hauling in the touchdown pass from Jake Browning. It was 10-7 Cincinnati, and less than a minute later, the Bengals' defense made a big play. Mahomes in the gun, three receivers out to the left. He's back to throw. Mahomes from the pocket, has it stripped from behind. Trey Trey Hendrickson knocked it away from Patrick Mahomes, and the Bengals recover at the 24-yard line. Trey Hendrickson will get credit for a strip sack there, his 17th sack of the year, as he knocked the ball free from Patrick Mahomes, and Sam Hubbard recovered. That gave the Bengals the ball at the Kansas City 24 And Cincinnati capitalized. Third down and goal inside the one. The Bengals are five for six on third down tries. Browning will be under center. Nixon is the running back. Drew Sample motions. Now he will line up right behind Browning. They do not do the tush push. Browning rolls right. He keeps the ball, spins backward, and gets into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals on a one-yard scramble by Jake Browning. The Bengals had a 17-7 lead midway through the second quarter with scores on their first three possessions. Unfortunately, the Bengals did not score again on their final seven drives of the game. Two Kansas City field goals made it 17-13 at the half. On the Bengals' first drive of the third quarter, they started at their own 17 and drove to the Kansas City 6 where they faced fourth down and one. Rather than kick a field goal, to push the lead back to seven, Zach Taylor elected to go for it. The line is overloaded to the right. Cody Ford plus two tight ends to that side. Browning's under center. Takes the snap. Gives it to Mixon. Whoa. He doesn't come close to getting back to the line of scrimmage. No. Willie Gay greeted him at the nine for a three-yard loss.
1: Mm. I just felt like fourth and one, we needed to go for it there. They played a goal line front, really, you know, and in, in a little further uh Situation than, than we expected. Um a good play by them. They did a good job making the play. The Chiefs dominated
0: the rest of the game, kicking field goals on four straight possessions and punishing Jake Browning with their pass rush once they had the lead. Second down and 16, the Bengals at their own 49. They trail by eight, 124 to go. Shotgun snap to Browning, sacked again. Chris Jones pouncing on the Bengals quarterback. This time it's back to the 38-yard line. The loss of 11 on the sack.
2: And now, it's again, again, this is the most brutal time to try to pass protect because there's only one thing you're going to do, and it, it, it's tough. I mean, the Chiefs are coming with pressure.
0: Kansas City finished with six sacks and 14 quarterback hits and wrapped up their eighth straight AFC West title with a 25-17 win. The Bengals fell to 8-8 eight and, eight and were eliminated from playoff contention. Here's Sam Hubbard.
3: we got a lot of great players that are going to take this adversity that we faced this year and turn it to a positive, work extra hard, come back hungry next year uh, to do what we need to do. I know I am. We faced a lot this year. Um, But uh, like I said earlier, I'm just proud of this locker room. I love this locker room. I love how everybody carried themselves, how they treated each other, uh, how they worked week in, week out, um, despite any circumstance to try and get the win, try to stay together. And uh, like
0: I said, I'm proud of the locker room. Jake Browning threw for 197 yards and a touchdown and ran for 32 yards in another score. His passer rating for the season is 96.5, and he's certainly proven to be a capable backup. But that didn't lessen the disappointment on Sunday. Here's Jake.
4: It sucks to lose when you're in, still in the race. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's no real crazy insightful comment there. Just It sucks to lose any time. And especially when, you know, you, you needed that win to, to keep battling. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the playoff picture and all that looks like, but I think the standard that was established, you know, even before I got here was to just keep battling. And so that's what we're going to do. I mean, I think I think they made some good adjustments at halftime. Uh, started doubling guys and, uh, and spying as well. And so, you know, uh, yeah, it was tough. It was tough to be able to tell who was... Who was getting doubled and stuff. They mixed it up, and, uh, yeah, good scheme, good players, and didn't do enough to get it done. You know, I'm I'm still processing a a loss, and it sucks. It's a great locker room. People are – that starts with who you bring in the locker room. People are going to keep battling, and uh, and I felt a lot of support throughout the last couple weeks, especially coming off of a a poor performance with the Steelers game, and, uh, you know, I didn't feel like anybody was – point fingers or anything it was just let's focus on what everybody needs to do to get better um and so you know it's kind of my comments on that defensively the Bengals
0: gave up four passes of more than 20 yards including 67 and 41 yarders they also allowed runs of 35 and 37 yards by isaiah pacheco who finished with a buck 30 becoming the fifth running back to top 100 yards against the Bengals this year. I talked to Cam Taylor Britt after the game. Joe got hurt on the second day of training camp. Did it just feel like from the very beginning there was too much to overcome this year? I
5: want to say there's never too much to overcome because, I, you know, with me and my teammates, we feel like, you know, any situation we come together as one, you know, we can fight ourselves out of any battle, uh, no matter the score, no matter, you know, who goes down, you know, it's always next man up for sure, but, uh, yeah, when he went down, most definitely you you, you seen a, a a downfall in a lot of uh, of my teammates, most definitely because you know you're number one guys now. Uh, but I say you know throughout those weeks when Jake came in and things, uh, everything kind of clicked together. But no, we just gotta stay as one, man. That's when we play our best.
0: Felt like you approached this game like a playoff game today.
5: Um, yeah, <laughs> anytime, man. Uh, I I really say. All my games man it's playoff atmosphere honestly just because man you're in the NFL bro uh you everybody's good you you're, you're going to play a team who is 2 and 8 and they they have good players and most definitely you got to come in every day uh every game man you know just treat it as such uh you may never get the opportunity again
0: there have been a lot of big plays against the Bengals defense this year I guess that's kind of the the common thread in the losses is it a head scratcher why other teams have been able to pull off so many big plays I think it's just in the room man with us man
5: uh a lot of people they don't get a lot but when they do man it's it's meaningful and in such, such times in the game uh but we need to get out the field on third and long, and we get hit on a, a seven route, you number know, twenty-five yards, and he continues to run. You know that's, that's not team defense football, especially Bengals football. So most definitely, we got to come in and you know execute and and fix all of it.
0: In this game, Patrick wasn't throwing it over your head, but he was hitting guys in stride that turned that ten-yard play into a forty-yard yeah. play.
5: He, he knows we're going to try to man him up and try to get pressure on him. Uh, so. They just try to run away from us, you know, try to pick pick everybody, you know, by running through each other. But, yeah, that's about it.
0: So you're 8-8 eight and eight with a game to go. Unfortunately, this one eliminates the Bengals from playoff contention. I guess what you have to still play for is to finish with a winning record. Is that a big deal? That is a huge
5: deal, man. Every game is a huge deal, especially this last one, man. You're playing the Cleveland Browns, so why not? You know, you got to go get it, man. Put your best foot out there. They have everything to lose, we don't. So, you know, most definitely go out there and give them a fight. And you don't want to go winless in the AFC North? No. (laughs) You can't go winless, man. So we got to go out there and put our best foot forward. Like, you know, this is not the last game. You know, just continue
0: to fight. You kept them out of the end zone, but they moved the ball enough to kick field goals. That was, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that feels like the negative to me.
5: Man, we got to get off the field on third down. You know, just as simple as that. Like you said, the explosives matter, uh, and they won't be able to get down there without the uh, and kick the field goals without the explosives. So, you know, most definitely we got to keep that off the back end. Uh, the the front end, they were doing their job. You know, getting to the quarterback, making make some crazy decisions. So, we just got to hold up, man, as a as a, a a team on the deep on the back end. I say.
0: Okay, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's hear from Head Coach Zach Taylor, who spent a couple of minutes with Lab. Coach, team fought hard. I mean.
2: Give her everything.
1: Yeah, uh, they did. I'm I'm proud of the way that your guys showed up and played and, and did everything they could. And we just came up a little short today. And credit to Kansas City, um, but again, proud of the way our guys fought and left it on the field.
2: In in the uh, in the fourth quarter, it became uh, you know a real a real tough dynamic. Obviously, ended up with uh, 11 yards on 15 plays um, after the fourth down stop that they had 36 yards on 19 plays. Do you think the wind was out of the sails a little bit?
1: I didn't feel that we just we just didn't maintain very good rhythm, you know, and that's um, it's a challenge when you come in here in a tough environment versus a really good defense. Uh, we obviously expected to produce more than we did, and, and uh, we'll have to watch the tape and see see what we could have done better.
2: Defensively, though, they're playing at a very high level, and the first half I thought the offense. I thought Jake Browning really acquitted himself well, and to me, he was doing Patrick Mahomes type stuff really.
1: I thought he managed the game really well. You know, what got difficult at the end was when they just pinned pin their ears back and came after the passer. And that's the type of game we knew we didn't want to play. That's where they've been successful. Um, we just didn't do enough in the third quarter to give ourselves a lead to where we could stay out of that.
2: And uh, when you were able to use the running game and be balanced, you had 14 first downs at one juncture. It was seven on the ground, six in the air, and one by penalty. So it was very balanced. And, and their pass rush, you guys were negating it. It wasn't really that big of a deal.
1: Yeah, I, I thought we had a good plan. Our players believed in it and did a great job executing it. And again, uh, just came up short there in the second half.
2: So, no turnovers. They had one. They had the fumble, but then the fourth down stop kind of negates that. You know, that that turnover. So it was even, Steven in that regard. And that's what these kind of games come down to, isn't it?
1: It does. You know. And um, again, I, I thought our defense stood up and played hard and limited in the field goals when they could. Um, just as a team, collectively, we didn't do enough to get the win.
2: Coach, uh, I know. Uh, I guess officially eliminated from playoff contention at this point. The Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, winning in Seattle, but you guys gave it a heck of a run and got another game against the Cleveland Browns. And I know this football team's going to show up and play it and play it hard. So. Everybody show up at Paycorn and support this football team. They deserve it.
1: No doubt. This team has fought hard. Uh, they represent this organization the right way. It's a meaningful game for us. It's a divisional game. It's a, it's a chance to finish with the winning record um, in front of our fans. And so uh, they deserve our best, and we're going to give them our best. Appreciate it, Coach, very much. Yep, thanks a lot.
0: You now know the game time next Sunday at 1 o'clock. And since the Browns are locked in as the number 5 playoff seed in the AFC, they are expected to rest many of their starters. Cincinnati is an early four-point favorite. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, time for the radio guys recap. Last year was late January. The Bengals' season came to an end here in Kansas City when they lost in the AFC Championship game. The season doesn't end today, but their playoff chances do with this loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. To me, this game was a microcosm of the entire season. Too many big plays allowed, couldn't stop the other team's running game, couldn't quite do enough on the offensive end.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's uh, in in the fourth quarter offensively, it had a pretty good game for three quarters. 15 snaps, 11 yards in the fourth quarter. And it all, you know, from the uh, when they had the fourth and one stop, no turnovers, took care of the football that way. We talk about every possession ending with a kick. Fourth and one, it gets knocked back for a couple-yard loss. And uh, from that point on, 19 snaps, 36 yards. So obviously that took the wind out of the sails, totally deflated the football team. And I can understand it. I mean, that was... That was huge. There's no question, and because uh, it was a it was a dogfight defensively. In spite of all the things that were going wrong, they were holding them to field goals. You know, so put one on the board, put one on the board, and get you know Paul the great Paul Brown, get points. <laughs> in a in, a, in a, a battle like like you're in, make sure you get points. Don't co- don't come away with nothing, and uh, you know that kind of resonated with me, but in this era of analytics and all that there's all kinds of arguments you can make, but numbers aren't number 95 on the football field that you have to block. Numbers aren't number 15 that you have to defend. You know I mean? Numbers are numbers. And at some point you have to, you know, make a determination as to, man, where are we? What do we have to do to try to win this game? How are we doing against some of these guys? Do we feel like we've got enough to, to hold them off and, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm conservative, but I'd always lean toward taking points.
0: I probably disagree with you on that. I'm okay with going for it. Obviously, it didn't work. Yeah. Um, it really didn't work. Losing three at the time, I didn't really second guess it. But I know what you're saying. I mean, the way the game played out, it certainly seems like it would have been prudent to take three.
2: Yeah, I, I just, I just think in a in a big game like that, the if you get it, you're not guaranteed to. N- not kicking a field goal anyway. So to me, it's better to come away with points than what what happened to them. They got so deflated when they got nothing that it's like, you know, okay, maybe, maybe you do convert on fourth and one in the low red zone. So now it's first and goal. Maybe, maybe you get a touchdown. Maybe you don't, maybe kick a field goal and you just burn more clock or whatever. So I don't know, I guess, Um, but it was fourth and one. It wasn't like it was fourth and three. And it it did, it got blown up. The execution of it wasn't, wasn't any good whatsoever. So, um, can make, can understand it Can understand it. And, you know, both ways. But, uh, I I just, I just know how in a game like that, where you're fighting tooth and nail and you come away with nothing and you're straining on every snap to block 95 and it's like, damn, you know, we got nothing out of that, um. But, again, if you had scored a touchdown, now you're sitting in high cotton. So that's that's the game. That's the national
0: football league. I think that's where the former player factor maybe should be considered because the numbers, I'm sure they crunch these numbers and the numbers say the right thing to do is to go for it. But those numbers have never been on the field and know what it's like when you go for it and don't get it and how that affects you emotionally.
2: Right. Well, I mean, some of the numbers – it might be a really good football team working against a weak sister and they convert X number of fourth down and shorts. Um, this is not a weak sister situation. You're on the road, loud, hostile environment. You can't come off the football maybe as aggressively as you want to. I mean, there's so many, so many factors involved where, you know, in my mind, the analytics is just like a sterile numbers situation, not any kind of environmental considerations or anything like that. So, and I can understand it. Um, but Dan Campbell's probably scratching his head on a few of them as well.
0: So they gave up a pass of more than 60. They gave up another pass of more than 40. They gave up a 35-yard run. They gave up a 37-yard run. It's happened too many times this year to just be, you know, something you write off as, as one of those things. This is a major problem that has to be analyzed and fixed. In time for next year.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the team has been shredded. What was it, seven or eight plays at 20 yards and more tonight, counting running, pass. I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, that that number you just you just can't live with that number. And again, it's not just 70. It's like you know, you get up into the 40s, you get up into the into the uh, you know, like last week, the 80s. Uh, you get up into the 60s. I mean, th- those those kind of numbers are are incredible. And uh, yeah. You, you look at the last two weeks alone, the back-to-back losses where, you know, you needed to step up and, and make a statement defensively were shredded. There's not uh, – I think there's only one team in the league that has given up more 20-yard plays. Than Tampa the, Bay. is in Tampa Bay. that? Uh, and Tampa Bay was in the playoff fight too. I don't know if they still are or not, but, you know, that that's crazy. Uh, the two teams that were getting shredded in, in chunk plays and explosive plays are – Still winning teams, so yeah, it's uh, something. Something definitely has to be looked at for sure.
0: They've really prioritized adding speed on defense in the last draft or two. Have they gone too far towards speed and little need a little bit more physicality? You know,
2: I don't know. I, th- I think
0: I think speed
2: is a, <laughs> is a factor. Uh, we saw it tonight. Recoverability, speed. I mean, Dax Hill ran down plays or touchdowns. If not for him out in the football field running them down, and that's a that's a big a big factor in the speed is the, you know the recoverability part of it. Uh, because if you're if you're a young guy that hasn't seen everything yet, and you're not in the right position to to make the plays, speed doesn't become as big a factor, you know. But then if you give up a play, it becomes a factor in recoverability and not giving up to the house, but you're giving up a bunch of yards, so um i think i think these guys are physical enough uh but again i think that's a confidence thing too and i think i think when they come back next year it's going to be i can i can just remember vividly dan how when i came to training camp my second year as opposed to training camp my rookie year it was like night and day and first you know the first few games just getting into a rhythm a lot quicker and feeling comfortable about everything and feeling like you're not gonna you know there's no hesitation you know exactly what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it and man you're going out and doing it whereas there's a little bit of apprehension you know in in the early stages of your rookie year
0: Jake Browning did a reasonably good job today when he had time, threw a touchdown pass, ran for a touchdown, 197 passing yards, and a passer rating of 85. He has certainly shown that he is a very solid backup quarterback, but I think we we can see the difference between a Jake Browning Bengals team and a Joe Burrow Bengals team and the ceiling that they can reach when Joe's in the game.
2: Absolutely. I mean, there's there's... <laughs> There's no question. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow is one of the highest-paid guys in the league for a reason. You know, it's not, uh, it, it, it's not a, a small sample size. It's a sample size that he's proven himself for a period of time. But I will say, as a former lineman, I would go in a huddle with Jake Browning any day. I, I think the way he comports himself, the way he leads, the way he competes, uh, his toughness, I would, I would have no qualms, no issues No, no, like, wondering about Jake Browning. I would go in the huddle with that dude every single day of the week. Hey,
0: knowing that you have a very solid backup quarterback is a big deal. You know, in a season like this one where your starter was really healthy for about five games, that's tough to overcome. But in a typical season, if your starter has to miss a game or maybe a couple, knowing that you have a guy that can win a couple of games if he needs to is huge.
2: Massive. And uh, Turk Shonis, the guy that I look to I mean we had total faith in, in Turk Schonert and his ability to win football games for us now was he going to play like Kenny was he going to do it the way Kenny did or Boomer but I didn't play I wasn't playing in that era but it started with with Kenny Anderson Turk Schonert. Uh, you know Kenny breaks his hand Turk comes in and it's like he was always totally prepared you knew that he knew his stuff he wasn't guessing you know he was on point with everything and he was going to compete and uh, confident, you know, we're going to go out and win this game, boys. Let's go, you know, and that's how Jake is. So um, those guys are invaluable. There's no question.
0: The Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC. The Browns are the number one wild card team in the AFC. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are back in the hunt after back-to-back wins over Cincinnati and Seattle.
2: And they, and they all feasted on the Bengals. Hopefully Cleveland doesn't feast on them one more time. Because 0-5 in the division, I mean, it, when that occurred, you know, it's like uh, this. This is uh, this is almost like a pipe dream. They're getting the playoffs and, and get a seated position in the playoffs with a one-in-five uh, division record potentially, that that would have been crazy.
0: So the Steelers uh, clinched their twentieth consecutive non losing season with win- their win today. That's what's uh, still at stake now for the Bengals. Win the final game, have a winning record, make it three years in a row.
2: Absolutely, and uh, and, and finishing at home on an up note is is big. And you know, uh, Forrest Greg used to call it an uptick. Boys, we want to we want to play in front of our people and. and and go out and play some physical football that they'd be proud of and finish on an uptick. Let's get it done.
0: (laughs) All right, that'll be the theme next week, an uptick finale. An uptick finale, and let's get that tick real high. (laughs) Finally, it's time for this week's Fun Facts Conversation, where you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with safety, Dax Hill. Let's start with your name. And I don't mean your first name, Daxton, which is pretty unique, but your middle name is Jor-El, the name of Superman's father. Are your parents comic book fans, or what did they tell you about giving you the middle name Jor-El?
3: They weren't, actually, but I think my dad randomly just came across that name, and That was a pretty cool name, obviously, Superman, Superman, and, you know, his his, uh, father, so I guess he was like, yeah, might as well just, you know, hopefully we get a Superman out of Dax, so So I think that's where that came from, but not comic book fans at all.
0: (laughs) Kids can be sensitive about their middle names when they share them with the other kids, even if the name is really plain. Did you like it, or were you sensitive about having an unusual middle name?
3: Uh, Not really. I mean, a lot of people didn't really know my middle name, which which was crazy now that, I, you know, has that that uh, that meaning behind it. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of just embraced it. I kind of liked it whenever my dad told me at a young young age. I was like, OK, I rock with
0: it. We're doing fun facts with Dax Hill. You're from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've been to Tulsa many times because UC and Tulsa used to be in the same conference. I think it's the windiest place. I've ever been in my life, and it's considered a high-risk area for tornadoes. Did you experience that as a kid?
3: Uh, yeah, i actually been in two tornadoes, actually. Um, one at the house, and then whenever I was at church service one day. Um, you know, scary feeling. I mean, you, you you hear all the wind right above you um luckily the roofs didn't come out um come off or anything like that but I mean you can hear everything swirling outside the leaves um you know branches hitting hitting the windows so I mean it's a scary feeling but you know once you made it make it out alive I mean you know it's you know you're thankful so those experiences are you know kind of scary.
0: Did you go into the basement or anything like that when you heard those high winds?
3: Uh I forgot where I was at church um where we went but I think we kind of just stayed in the main part of it, but at home, yeah, we kind of went underneath the um, underneath the house to make sure everything was good.
0: You have one sibling, an older brother, Justice, who is three years older than you are. How competitive were the two of you as kids?
3: Uh, we we're competitive. Um, I always wanted to one up him and everything. Uh, I knew I was the better basketball player, but you know, we always you know played a game of twenty-one. He always, you know, won. But once I started to get a little bit older, that's when I started to get the the, uh, the win. So uh, we were definitely competitive at, at a young age.
0: Friendly competition, or did your parents have to pull you apart from time to time?
3: I mean, it was kind of just like, you know, just having fun, you know, sometimes. I don't think it would get that crazy to where, uh, you know, we're fighting or anything like that. Sometimes we'll probably, every once in a while we may, you know, you know verbalize how we felt. But uh,
0: pretty much friendly. He's obviously in the NFL as well with the Baltimore Ravens. When the Bengals face the Ravens, what do your parents wear?
3: Whenever I first got into the NFL, one wore uh, one jersey, other uh, one wore you know the Baltimore jersey. Now it's kind of just split in half. So you know um, you know a lot of people anticipated that happening, and it happened this year.
0: We're chatting with Dax Hill. You attended Booker T. Washington High School, which is considered one of the top public schools in the U.S., and your parents went there as well. There's an academic requirement to get in. You can study five world languages there. What did you gain from going to a school like that in high school?
3: Uh, I mean, I learned a lot of. Um, I mean, every subject was pretty tough. Um, I had AB, a, AP classes, IB classes. Um, um, I mean, it's a very, you know, like you said, a very good school, top schools in you know o- Oklahoma and the nation. And I mean, I feel like they had me prepared going into college, and you know, so I feel like they did a you know pretty good job, you know, with you know me and my brother
0: both going there. You were the Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Oklahoma. You could have gone to any college in the country. Was the recruiting process a bit overwhelming?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I really had, um, you know, every college offer there was in the Power Five. Um, You know, first it was kind of hectic, but I feel like uh, junior year, that's when it started to kind of just settle down for me. Uh, I kind of knew where I wanted to go. And from there, I just, you know, focused on the schools that I wanted to go. I had like a top five or something like that, I think, um, coming out of, you know, senior year. And so um, from there, kind of just, you know, committed to Michigan.
0: I read that your parents gave you this advice when you were choosing a school. Where would you go if football was not part of the equation? Is that true? And did you take that advice?
3: I did. I mean, it was um kind of a drawn-out thing, I feel like, just because – uh, you know, my parents, they sat down with me, kind of just, um, we had like a pros and cons board, really just split it down the middle, which side and kind of just outweighed the other one. And, um, I feel like they were a key part of, you know, my decision going to Michigan and really just not focus on football, but kind of just, um, the holistic view of just my life, you know, besides football. So they had a major part of that.
0: You played for Jim Harbaugh, clearly a great coach, but he seems a little odd to me, do you have a best Jim Harbaugh weird story?
3: I would say in my my home visit, uh, we had good conversations with him for a few hours, and I felt like one time he just kind of just not dazed off, but kind of just staring off into space as if we weren't talking. That was hilarious to me. I'm <laughs> like, man, what's he? Is he thinking about something else, or is he worried about me right now? You know, it was just you know, kind of just took me for a loop. I was like, okay, he just kind of just went to his own world for a second, it was, which was hilarious to me. But like you said, great coach, great, uh, great person.
0: So you had a great career for the Wolverines and played in one of the greatest rivalries in sports, Ohio State, Michigan. And in your final game in that rivalry, you were part of a Michigan team that ended a streak of eight straight losses to the Buckeyes. What are your most vivid memories of that win?
3: Uh, Really just the atmosphere. Um, uh it was like flaring the entire game kind of like a snow game and uh really just the energy of that game going into you know that game it was just you know hyped up obviously uh you know we had that one circle on the board you know since we started you know that season so i mean i feel like that was a great win for you know the entire you know um state of michigan uh the university like everything about that win was just memorable
0: it seems to have turned the tide in the rivalry.
3: Yeah, I feel like I mean, was it three years now? Three years in a row. So, I mean, I feel like we can keep it going just as long as they did. You know, I feel like we can go, do that and you know, and some. So,
0: so after your time at Michigan, you were selected with the thirty-first pick of the first round by the Bengals. Describe your draft night.
3: Had family friends over, um, you know, waiting the entire night, not knowing when I was going to get picked. So, um, you know, my family they were there supporting me. Um, you know, I was kind of just high and low throughout the time. Didn't know where I was going to go. Thought I was going to go like 15, 20, but ended up falling a little bit. But I'm thankful for where I'm at now.
0: You tied the knot this past off season. What's more stressful, draft night or wedding night?
3: Ah, wedding for sure. <laughs> wedding for sure, man. Just really just getting the ring, which was stressful um, because we were trying to go out the country. We didn't have our passports at that time, so – um, I was trying to get my passport at that time, and then get the ring in as well. So, the ring came in, and then the passports they weren't in yet. So I'm like, okay, I have all this plan out of the country, and hopefully we can still go. So once we got there, you know, you know, uh, kind of just said what I said, and hey, we're we're here now. So uh, you know, kind of just was probably a, a very special moment for me, but I feel like a lot more stressful than than anything
0: else. <laughs> How'd you pop the question? Do you have a good story? <clears throat>
3: I was kind of just out of the country. I was in St. Martin. Uh, wasn't anything special. She was kind of surprised by it. It was like the first night we got there. Um, <clears throat> kind of just, uh, what did I do? I kind of just, it was like a like a gazebo almost leading out to the water. And uh, it was just like the perfect view. Uh, the sunset was um, like the sun was setting. And we kind of just walked out there. Um, the water was going. It wasn't too too choppy or anything like that, just a nice breeze and I mean that's kinda of my story. Just, you know, pop the question and that's how I have it happened.
0: Who's gonna say no with that setting? All right, a few wild card topics now for Dax Hill. Who is your all time favorite athlete in any sport and why? I
3: will say Michael Jordan. I mean I feel like I grew up liking him, but really just watching the Last Dance series, I feel like that kind of just made me even more um, more of a fan of him and his preparation. And uh I mean I feel like he's the best basketball player to ever play, so um so Michael Jordan for sure.
0: Tell us something about you that not many people know.
3: Uh I played three instruments growing up. Um I don't know if a lot of people know that, but I mean I played the, the trumpet, violin, viola, a little bit of of the bass, but not really, but I, I just say three instruments. Um so I grew up going to, you know, um you know lessons and doing all that uh, I went to a charter school so um, they had um like a musical um uh like a music music school almost so uh so yeah I kind of just grew up playing instruments
0: violin your choice or your folks
3: uh my choice uh, uh I mean I just enjoy playing it um and then I kind of just switched over because uh, I played that for for years um and then from there, I was like, I'm gonna just you know switch to something else. So that's how I went from violin to you know trumpet.
0: Have you had any part time jobs?
3: Uh, one. Uh, I was working in a warehouse for one summer. Uh, with actually one of my dad's um, friends like years ago, uh, which was funny just because he, he was like 50 years old and I was like fresh into you know high school working. But uh, that was a fun job. Um, you know, kind of just. Woke up early in the morning, wasn't like a 9 to 5, kind of just like 9 to, to like 2 o'clock and kind of just did whatever we did in the warehouse, did, did different type of projects. Uh, so, yeah, that was fun.
0: What do you like to spend your money on?
3: The usual clothes, shoes, uh, have, have to pay the bills first and foremost, so <laughs> uh, down payment on homes and whatnot. So
0: <laughs> Final question. This one's kind of deep. If you could meet anybody in history... Living or deceased, who would that person be?
3: I don't know. I'm gonna just go with Will Chamberlain, hmm. I guess. Uh, what do he have like
0: 100 points? One time, he did
3: so, I guess, Will Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like that. It's kind of an old-school answer. I like it.
3: Yeah, will. I mean, what, 100 points without a three-point line? That's. I mean, that's kind of crazy. So. Averaged 50 a game one season. Really? Wow, I didn't even know that. So, yeah, you got to me, huh? <laughs> All right,
0: an excellent answer. I appreciate your time. Best of luck the rest of the year. Appreciate you. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor. proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Altafiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home business and community to a new level and by Kettering Health the best care for the best fans Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals if you haven't done so already please subscribe to this podcast and if you have a minute give it a rating or share a comment that helps more Bengals fans find us I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth podcast